Hey guys, I'm Megan Barker. Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and learning how they got where they are, and hopefully they'll share some valuable insight into the music industry. Um, you can watch the interviews online. You can also tune into the podcast. And we go live every Sunday night. So make sure you check out jamminandjammies.com for all the details. Today, we are lucky enough to have Jammy veteran at this point, Mr. Clay Mills, who is a 10-time ASCAP award-winning songwriter and producer. He's also Grammy nominated. Um, you probably recognize his hits, Don't Think I Don't Think About It by Darius Rucker, um, Diamond Rio's Beautiful Mess, and more. He's had over 75 songs recorded by artists like Lady Annabellum, Trisha Yearwood, Reba, and more. Obviously, we have a lot of ground to cover, so let's dive in. Clay, how you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Been looking it's forward to, to seeing you. I haven't seen you since pre-COVID. I know. It's the craziest thing. Thank God that we have this technology and we can actually see each other during this crazy time. Um, thank you for being here. Do you want to just start at the basics, like where are you from and how you got into music early on? Oh, wow. Um, yes, a very long time ago, I was... Grew up in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, my grandfather had a farm, and um, I think I learned, kind of learned to sing, working out in those fields with the, the old guys that would be out in the field singing and chopping cotton, and wow, I'd be singing along, and so that kind of put a bug in me, and just you know had a high school band, um, moved to New York when I was nineteen, and got into believe you know it's kind of weird i was trying to find my way in music and i started writing and singing and programming like national television jingles and i did that for about seven years and i was like you know what i really always wanted to be a songwriter and sing real songs not jingles not that that's not a skill that you know that was yeah that was a skill and it was good training for me um, i'm sure I moved to Nashville, got a publishing deal, and that's just kind of how it all happened. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm dying to know what was it like moving to New York City at 19? A little scary? Yeah. From at that point, I had lived in Mississippi and Alabama. And so moving there at 19 was definitely culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But, but, you know, it's in some ways, there's so much opportunity in a big city like that, that it was, you know, you don't slow down. You're just like full steam ahead. And there was all this music stuff to get involved in. So it was really great. You know, I mean, I don't think I would want to live there now, but you know, when, in my twenties, it was like, I loved it then. Yeah. I bet it was pretty exhilarating when you're young and excited like that. That's amazing. All right. So then you moved to Nashville. Um, Another culture shock, I bet, after being seven years in New York City. Um, how did you get yeah. your first publishing deal? How long did it take? Well, oddly enough, when I was in New York, I started writing songs with a TV actor who had been going to Nashville and was trying to get a record deal. And so he had been going for like four years in Nashville and just a great guy. We wrote some songs together and he came to you know, Nashville, played our songs that we wrote together. And Mark Bright, who produces Carrie Underwood, at that time, he was just up and coming at EMI Publishing. And he heard the songs that I wrote with my buddy Ken. And he's like, who'd you write these songs with, Ken? They're so much better than the ones that you've been writing when you come to town and write with all the Nashville, you know, writers. I don't know if he said better, but he thought they were different. You know, yeah. it's like, 
I, I didn't have that same thing that everyone else in Nashville was doing. So he called me up, he flew to New York, saw me do a showcase, wanted to sign me to an artist deal, um, sign me to kind of a publishing artist deal. And I never really felt comfortable doing the artist thing. You know, once I figured out in Nashville, I could write songs and live in a recording studio, stay at home, raise my son. Um, that was more appealing to me than going out on the road. So um, that's how I got started. He, you know, Mark Bright gave me a, a chance to write for EMI Music. Um, three years later, I lost that publishing deal, had no cuts and um, bounced around a little while. I mean, it literally took me about seven years of writing every day in Nashville to get the first, you know, hit song on the mm -hmm. radio. And I think I went through three publishing deals before that even happened. So wow. it's not, it's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Um, so I guess you would say it's a seven year town. <laughs> yes. For me, it was definitely a seven year town. Wow. Okay. And I, I don't know if you're planning on sharing the story, but I've heard you share this story before. Was your family supportive? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't so much my family, but all my friends. Okay. And so, yeah, when, when I told my friends I was moving to Nashville, they all threw this big party for me at a restaurant and I show up and it turned out it was not really a party. It was more of an intervention. Oh no. And they were like, why are you moving to New York? I mean, to, to Nashville, you know, nobody knows you there. You're, you're going to give up a good job and you know, what are you doing? I mean, they literally thought I was crazy. Wow. And, um, for like those seven years, I would get calls all the time saying, why don't you move back? What are you doing? Um, but when I got my first number one song, I remember I had back then we had these answering machines <laughs> tape on them. The tape, yeah. And I, one day I come home, I just had my first number one and I had like 37 messages on that machine. And they all said, man, we knew you could do it. You know? <laughs> like, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Um, seven years. That's a long time. How did you, how do you keep the faith that long? Did you just know that one day it was going to happen? I don't know. You know, I didn't really, I really didn't think like that. I just thought I put my head down, my nose to the grindstone, and I just kept grinding out songs. Like I didn't, it I didn't sit back and go at any point, why are you doing this? I just kept doing it. It was like I was driven to do it. Um, and so that allowed me, that kind of focus allowed me to move to New York and then move to Nashville. I mean, when I first moved to New York, I had like $300 in my pocket. Wow. So it was, I slept on a friend's sofa for a little bit until I was, found a job in a music store and just kind of started making things happen. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you just put your head down and do the work, you know, and you hope everything, you know, I know I'm lucky cause I, I've been able to do this for a long time, but, um, you know, you just, you, I have a friend, Sonny Lemire that I wrote beautiful mess with. And we used to talk about, we'd say, you know, burn your bridges behind you. Because if you, if you can go back to where you came from, there's no motivation to make it happen. But when you've got no bridge behind you, the only option is to succeed, you know? And so that's what we did. 
I've never heard that. Everyone tells you not to burn bridges, but I love that. That's super inspiring. Oh yeah, burn the bridges behind you. Otherwise, you're just going to retreat back over them. And you're, you know, if you always know in the back of your head, well, I can always go back and do yeah. that. And you know, I don't think anyone succeeded with that kind of attitude, really. Absolutely, absolutely. You got to stay out of your comfort zone. Um, you've you've been in Nashville a really long time now. So, what kind of changes have you seen in the industry in the time that you've been here? Do you think it's super different? Yes, I think it is. Um, when I first moved to New York, it was the beginning of computers and tracks replacing musicians. And I did that. Like I programmed tracks. That's how I, I did all my jingles, how I wrote my songs, how I did my demos. Wow. And then when I came to Nashville, I went into a music store and I was like, where's your computer department? And they just looked at me like I was from another planet. <laughs> and now all that's changed. You know, yeah. there's there's so many records now made with computers and loops. And so it's it's kind of like Nashville is a little behind where we were at that time in New York. Um, so I, I think there's still a live music scene with guys playing in the studio, but a lot more records are made, um, you know, on a computer and program these days. So you were one of the original track guys in Nashville or yes, in New I'm, York, I guess. Yes. I'm, I was on the bleeding edge. I had You're a little, um, Atari computer, um, that was actually at that time was, right about the time the very first Macintosh computer came out. That is crazy. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Um, okay. A lot of our followers, I'm sure, as you know, are aspiring songwriters. Can you give any insight into what your first publishing deal should look like? I mean, I know that all deals are different. Is there anything you can kind of speak to about that? Yeah. I mean, typically your first deal is not going to be a great deal for the writer but in some ways it is. You're typically gonna give up all your publishing mm -hmm. and hopefully in return, you get a small draw that you can live off of until you start making income from your songs. So, you know, you give up all your publishing, you're getting a small draw, living frugally, and you're, you're writing songs every day. And I mean, the draw helps you be able to write songs every day and not have to worry about, you know, paying for the electricity bill. So that's good, um, but you know the publisher, a good publisher, is going to hook you up with writers. I, I just suggest that anyone wanting to start out in the music business learn a little bit of how the business goes, because when you do have your first success, you need to be able to parlay and leverage that into the kind of deals that are going to allow you to really make a living as a songwriter because your first deal would be very hard to make a living yeah. um, as a songwriter with. And, you know, I know, you know, Marty and Dotson and I started Songtown. So that's some of what we teach for our writers. And we get emails every day saying, Hey, so-and-so offered me this deal. Is it a good one? You know, so we, we try to give back by helping writers understand the business and understand how to write better. Um, I always think, a great song opens any door, you know, yeah. and so I, I always focus anytime my career is at a down point, I figure out how I can write better songs. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that changes everything. It's not about who, you know, um, 
you know, I started out in the business, didn't know anyone, I didn't have any money. Um, and it's really a matter of how good your songs are. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue because I was just going to say that I know you and Marty are both passionate about helping up and comer songwriters. I mean, you guys have, have been intricate in my career the last few years. Can you just tell us how Songtown came to be and, and what it's all about? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. We started on Facebook writing a blog every day. Um, just tell, because we had seeing so many people online with these scam sites saying, you know, we'll get your song to Blake Shelton or we'll, you know, and they really weren't legit. So we started saying, well, let's just write some blogs and tell people how the business works, um, what we do every day in our songwriting sessions, you know, when we're writing, how we approach writing. And we did that for two years, wrote 700 blogs and you know, every day we posted a new new blog article and it was, you know, just got to the point where this followers on Facebook kept saying, hey, we love this. Can you like teach a class? So we started teaching some classes and master writing, master classes on writing. And we still do that. We, every January we do, a, you know, huge master class for writers. But the next logical step was why don't we put up a website? Um, we had like 500 writers sign up the first week we, we went public Crazy. and now it's literally thousands of members around the world. But at that time, um, you know, it was pretty good. We were like, wow, 500 people want to learn about songwriting. Yeah. And, you know, we just, I love teaching songwriting. I love songwriters and we're just trying to keep that art alive, you know, cause you come from a, a line of songwriters and, mm -hmm. You know, you just want to keep that whole art um, and craft, you know, keep it alive. So because it could easily get lost in today's yeah. craziness. Yeah, especially how quickly things change in Nashville, like you were saying, it's uh, it's its own special little world. Um, what's it like to see people getting deals, people that have been part of Songtown now? They've got publishing deals. Some of them are probably working on record deals. It's got to be a cool feeling. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and people like Blake Griffith signed a deal, got a Tim McGraw cut. Um, so we've had several members get major artist cuts, um, you know, uh, dozens get publishing deals, a um, couple signed record deals, you know, so it's it's great. I mean, you get to feel like you are kind of giving back because I had people help me when I started yeah. um, who believed in me and wrote songs with me even when I didn't know really how to write songs that well, they, they saw something in me. So that's what I like to do. I like to find talent and try to, to help them get better. Yeah, I think that's one important thing I've realized is no one does anything alone. You always have someone believe in you or somebody helped you. So it's a team effort, I think, in the music biz. Yes. Do you agree? Yeah. And I think at some point in your career, you go from looking for other people to help you and then you go, okay, I got to start trying to help other people. Yeah. And it's, so it's just kind of a natural progression when you've been doing it as long as I have. <laughs> well, speaking of natural progression, what inspired you and Marty to start your own publishing company? And what has that been like? Oh, that's been great. I mean, just this week, um, one of our writers has a, a song with the TikTok artist. It's got million and a half you know plays on TikTok, and we're like it's like a whole new world when i started TikTok <laughs> didn't even exist and so um 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, the, the reason we started the publishing company is we started seeing our members get deals around town. And but then we also saw other members we thought that were really good that weren't getting deals. And so we thought, well, let's this would be a good way we could help them. So we've signed uh, right now. We have two writers, Josh Bird and Kelly McKay, and we help them. We set them up on writing appointments, um, get their songs heard. Um, you know, so it, it's great. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's different. I always was on the other side of it. I was a writer. And you know, now, I, now I know what that publisher was going through when, when I was writing for them. I can't imagine what that feels like. I, I mean, what is, what do you look for in a songwriter that you want to sign then? Now you're on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, it still comes down to taste. If I think somebody is writing great songs, um, that's the bottom line for me is, are the songs really good? I mean, somebody like Kelly, every time um, I've heard a song of hers, it always has an interesting title and hook. Um, you know, some, there's always something interesting about it. It's not just, you know, somebody going, oh, I'm writing a song title today. Well, no, she really approaches it from a different angle. And um, Josh is great. He's writing with so many good artists and he's a great lyricist. So I don't know. It's just, um, it has to be something that I go, wow, this is really good. It's kind of a gut thing too. I think you just know when you know. Yeah. 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 Um, can you say what is maybe one of the best piece of advices that you've ever gotten? Advices? Advice. <laughs> Advices. Advices. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I'm sure um, there's a lot, but. Well, years ago when I started writing jingles, there was a guy that, um, he would he had a lot of jingle accounts and he would come in and we would write the music and produce it together and he used to tell me i don't know if i can say this on here but you you can't be afraid to be an asshole <laughs> what he meant was and i can't say it in his new york um brooklyn <laughs> accent but he would what he meant was you can't be afraid of looking stupid like you've just got to keep putting your ideas out there and failing yeah. and failing and if you fail enough times, and that was hard for me, you know, I like, I don't like to do something unless I know it's good. And yeah. so, you know, I fight that battle. So for me, that was an important advice to know that don't be afraid of looking silly, you know? Yeah. I love that. I'm actually guilty of that on a personal note. I don't like people thinking that I don't know something. I want to look like I know everything, not in a cocky way, but I just don't want people to think I'm dumb. So that's something that I've, I've battled with. So I think that's huge for a songwriter. Don't be afraid. You have to be vulnerable in the writer's room. And I can't tell you how many times I've been writing a song with someone and they're like, well, this might be stupid, but, and I'm like, that's not stupid. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of times when I just throw out a line without thinking and I'm kind of half joking, the other people in the room will go, wow, that's great. You know, it's just, so if I had wait and go, no, that's, that's stupid. I'm not going to say that, you know, you can't, you yeah. can't do that. You got to let it out. You got to, you got to be natural and just let out your, your freak. That's right. Let your freak flag fly. I love it. Um, do you remember the first time you heard your song on the radio? Uh, yes. It, and it was driving home the day my 
son was born and I heard my song on the radio at the same time. So You're it was, kidding. It was pretty cool. Yeah. What a day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those you literally want to pull over to the side of the road for a minute and just, um, I won't tell you the rest of that story. I ended up <laughs> having a traffic accident on the way home, but <laughs> oh lord, I think that was the universe going. Don't don't get a big head about this song right now. <laughs> yeah, the universe always finds a way to keep you humble. It was just a little, uh, you know, fender bender. It wasn't anything major. That's crazy. Um, do you want to play a song for us? I do. I would love it. Okay. I think I think you're going to play my favorite, but I don't know. I wrote this song um, with Darius Rucker. The first time I ever met him, um, my publisher hooked me up to write with him. So he drove me up to Kentucky um, in his convertible. I don't know why I remember that, but I climbed <laughs> on the climbed on the tour bus in Kentucky to write with Darius and we drove to Chicago. And so in between Kentucky and Chicago, we wrote this song. It was the first song and I climbed on the bus and I go, man, he's like, how are you? It's like, I don't even feel like writing today. And this is not the thing you tell a star the first time you sit down to write with him. And, you know, he was like, what's wrong? And I'm, I'm like, well, I just broke up with my girlfriend the day before and I'm second guessing myself. And he's like, man, we all do that. And, and I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I still think about this girl in the second grade sometimes. And we just kind of laughed. And um, he's like, we all have those memories. And he's uh, it's like, really? And he's like, yeah, don't think I don't. And so I just started like playing and singing in this chorus because wow. that's how I love to write songs is something that comes out of a conversation. Yeah. And then I just start singing the words and put starting, you know, putting the song together. So this was the first one we wrote, and it was his first number one song ever as an artist. Wow. Not my first number one. <laughs> he since passed me, so. <laughs> I lived out in a cloud till lights and dust. So I wasn't coming back, said I'd had enough. I saw you in the rear view standing, fading from my light. But it was the turn around. Don't up this time. Don't think I don't think about it. Don't think I don't have regrets. Don't think it don't get to me. Between the work and the hurt. You don't think I don't wonder about Could've been, should've been all worked out I know what I feel, I know what I see Don't think I don't think about it We make choices, we gotta live with them Heard you found a real good man and you married him I wonder sometimes I cross your mind Where would we be today If I never drove that car away 
the cord yeah <laughs> it's so hard with the delay and you know in real life we used to be able to like sing along with each other at shows and i have to like sit here and be quiet and still it's so hard i love that song couldn't we have done this on tiktok and then done a duet <laughs> we'll do that next we'll do that next no. i'm i'm still figuring out tiktok myself uh, it's it's there's always something new we have to figure out it seems like i know yeah but i love that song okay just just a couple more questions um you know, joining Songtown, maybe joining things like NSAI, do you have any other advice for people um, that maybe just moved to Nashville or maybe they don't live in Nashville, other ways that they can feel connected to the music industry? Yeah, I mean, joining an organization like Songtown or NSAI is good, but I would recommend you join those things for different reasons. And the reason is, as a songwriter, every door that's ever been opened for me has come through co-writing. Whether, whether it's my first deal I ever got when I told you I co-wrote with this artist and then he played a song for a publisher, um, you know, and I just know publishers around, you know, Nashville and LA, it's all word of mouth. So if you can build up your reputation as a co-writer and have people going, wow, you need to write with that person. Um, that's what's going to open doors more for you rather than like going to some pitch event where you pitch a publisher a song. And yeah. I mean, those have literally not, they've been doing those for three decades. I've never heard of a number one song ever getting picked right. up by that. So the real way that songwriters make progress and artists too are co-writing with other people in the community. Yeah. And, you know, today, because of technology, I mean, I co-write with people all over the world. You don't have to be in Nashville, you know, you, yeah. you can, the, the cool thing about a song town or, or wh whoever is that it's a community of writers. So you can meet other writers and we have someone in, you know, Norway, someone in Canada that co-write with people here in Nashville that have had some success because their co-writer in Nashville's here taking the songs around town. Yes. So, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to live in a music city like you used to have to live in a music city. It helps. Sure. But um, if you can co-write, then all, all things are possible. Absolutely. And honestly, Songtown is where I met my first co-writers, really. I mean, oh. Kelly McKay, I've written so much with Kelly, and I'm so excited for her and so many people. I mean, I even made a friend um, named Rosie who lives in Ireland, and I got to go over to Ireland, and she, like, took me to the airport, and I wouldn't have had those cool connections um, if it weren't for Songtown. So that must be really cool for you guys, and it's really cool for us to have an experience. Okay, and then follow-up, more complicated question. What about for the people that have been in town for a few years? And I hate to say that I've seen a few people leave town during COVID and it's understandable. It's a scary time. The music industry is a little quieter right now. What would you say to people that have maybe, you know, had publisher meetings, they've had songs pitched and they're just thinking about quitting. I mean, do you have any words of advice for people that have, they're almost there and they're tired? 
I know. And and that's where I was saying in the beginning, the grinding it out part yeah. comes into play. Um, because if you have in the back of your mind, you're going to go back home. I mean, literally, you, you have to narrow down. So the only option you have is to make it happen. Yeah. And so it's harder now because of COVID, but this is going to be over. Yeah. And you know, when you see that a publisher is having a writer's night at the listening room, go down there, introduce yourself. Um, my buddy Forrest uh, Whitehead, that's how he got his mm -hmm. first deal. He kept showing up at the same publishing company. Every time they'd have a writer's night around town, he would show up, introduce himself, didn't even push his songs on them. And then eventually, you know, they get to know him and they're like, hey, what do you do? And he's like, I write songs. And they're like, come by the office and play them for me. Yeah. So it's it's really hard. Don't don't try to push your music on people because publishers and producers, they're always getting songs pushed yeah. at them. So and this is important. Don't don't pitch songs to publishers. Pitch yourself. They're not interested in songs. They're interested in writers. They're interested in great writers. So always pitch yourself. That's why I was saying when you go to writer's night, don't, you know, throw songs at them. Don't go, hey, here's a, you know, USB with my songs on. Don't do that. Get to know them as people and eventually it'll you'll go further. But pitch songs to producers, but don't pitch songs to publishers. Pitch yourself. It's a long game. You got to be in it for the long game. It takes time to develop these relationships. And shout out to Forrest, who started Music City Playbook. If you guys want to go check out, I did an interview with him. That's really cool stuff he's doing as well. And I'm so glad that there's all these cool tools around, like Songtown and Music City Playbook now. And there's there's all these cool things that I wish were around 10 years ago when I was first getting started. It's very valuable stuff. So um, I think and, we covered... Oh, go ahead. Um, when you're saying it's a long game, yeah, I had my first number one song when I was 41. So it wasn't like I started out, you know, I didn't have these tools. So it took me a good 22 years of doing music full time to be able to, to get a number one song. So, But, you know, you, you just knew that music was going to be your whole life. You knew you were going to make your living at it one way or another. And I think that's kind of how you have to be. You're either going to do it or you're not, like, <laughs> you know. I was either going to go to law school or do music and law school. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I can see you as a lawyer. That's crazy. I chose the right path. <laughs> I think you did. But in another universe, there is a clay who is a lawyer. <laughs> oh, gosh, that would be scary. That would be awesome. OK, I think we covered just about everything. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you, you wanted to touch on? I mean, you've given insight to young writers. We've learned a little bit about your journey. I think it's been it's been pretty cool. Yes, I, I really appreciate it. And if you're out there writing songs, just, um, you know, know that other people have walked your walk and don't give up. Just keep keep working at it. And at the end of the day, even if you don't sign a publishing deal, you've spent your day doing something you love and you yeah. know, life is short. Spend it doing what you love. Amen. I think that's a perfect note to end things on. Thank you yeah. so much for taking the time and talking with us and singing for us. And we'll have to do it again soon. We'll catch up again. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Yep. Peace. Showtime. Showtime.
soon as we walk in Wearing fuzzy things, candy rings Ain't PJ looking so fly Don't look too hard, you might hurt yourself We look too damn good to deny At Frisky Fox I'm a dangerous girl with some footies on my feeties Keep up! So many awesome hits around us And we're gonna keep on coming Keep up! Come on down to the frog And we'll get you jammy juice And come on! Riders only Put your candy rings up to the moon <laughs> What y'all trying to do? What y'all trying to do? Jenny and Jenny. 